The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives to provide balanced coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the pain and panic of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose plans are never evil, just misunderstood. Josh, how's it going this evening? I am good. I'm good surprisingly that's great (laughs) i'm good look i got this 2019 bourbon county um stout which was a 14 percent back then so i can only imagine oh goodness gracious it is now (laughs) probably only like 14.5 right (laughs) oh this is a sipper uh yeah i got a different job with a better hours I've been able to get home and spend time with my wife every night of the week. It's been great. And now when I get overtime, I'm not I'm still home before 9 p.m. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can't complain that, yet. That but... is great to hear, Josh. That is great to hear. Congratulations on the new position. I know it was Thanks. one you were very excited and hopeful for, so that's great that that worked out. I do have to ask though, Josh. Do you think now that you're in this fancy new position? and are home, you know, every night to see your wife and all of those things. Like, are you going to get, like, sick of each other now? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It was funny. It was funny because that was the biggest. Uh, my partner and I, when we first started dating, we we didn't live in the – we lived, like, four and a half or five hours apart for basically almost the first year of our relationship. So then when we got to a point where we were living in the same town, actually, it was <laughs> – was this really like kind of nervous situation of like okay we've never actually lived in the same place yeah so are we gonna like seeing each other a whole bunch like does yeah. this only work because we never saw each other like we've had phases where our schedules would change one of us would change a position at work or something and we would go from never seeing each other to always seeing each other and then that's always yeah it can be a bit much because you're just not used to it, and then right. you're just getting on each other's nerves. And uh, it's only been a week, but we've watched a Marvel movie every night, so we That's haven't great. had to worry about like <laughs> annoying each other. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was all always her idea, so that was a nice surprise. So yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it'll happen, and then and then uh, I'll just be getting more hours of overtime. Like, hey, can I stay a couple extra hours? <laughs> just make a little more money for us. No big deal. Uh, do you understand our reference this week, Pain and Panic? I do, actually. Uh, we introduced my son to Hercules last week. Oh, excellent! Um, and he was mostly interested. He kind of tuned out halfway through the movie, but, you know, the house is full of cars and trucks and toys, so... That's true. He'd rather be doing that. <laughs> yeah. I-, I think Hercules is one of those underappreciated Disney movies. Yeah, it's a pretty perfect Disney movie. Like, it's yeah. it fits... It's right in that... Um, hand-drawn animation, 
great music uh, decade of Disney films. Mm-hmm. It's right at the tail end, actually. Right. Um, and Disney doesn't typically dabble in mythology that is not created by them too much. Uh, I know they mess with like Hansel and Gretel stuff. I mean, uh, yeah. grim fables and stuff, stuff like that. But, um, it, you know, it holds a special place for me because of how, how much I love um, Greek mythology anyway. So it's nice to, to see that. And I was reminded of how good it was when we were talking about Hercules, and uh, I don't know how it came up, but when we realized that my son hadn't seen it, and then when I started watching it, realizing how long it had been since I, too, have seen that movie. So, yeah, it still holds up. It's still a great, great film. Lots of great music. I enjoy yeah. it. I agree because when people talk about you know the classic Disney animation movies, not like the old old classics, but you know when they got back their groove, if you would, um, you hear about the Little Mermaid and the Lion King and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all yeah. of those, which are great. But Hercules isn't one that's usually brought up, and I think it is you know that and like Hunchback are are movies that are I I feel like don't get the attention that the other ones do. And Hunchback, okay, I I understand why some people meant I take that movie totally understand that. But Hercules specifically, it's really it's a tight story. It's a it's a very compact movie. It moves along very very quickly. The music in it is really good. I know that the animations are obviously stylistically a little bit different than what they've been doing previously. But man, I really enjoy that movie, and I just feel like not enough people watch that one or talk about that one. It's so good. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Great film, great movie. Excellent. Well, hey. We're just going to move on, keep on rolling, move into our show this week. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome things over on Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Speaking of which, if you have, for some reason, missed last week's show, I highly encourage you uh, to go back and listen to it. We had Danny Lowe on, who is the marketing manager for Pandasaurus Games, and she was an amazing and fantastic, and uh, the show was great, a lot of fun. Uh, please do, if you have not checked that episode out, go back and check it out and hear from Danny, who's really, really smart and really, really insightful, and it was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. So with that, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Well, I mean, it's for us. It's been almost two weeks since we recorded, so True. I figure it's time to catch up on the game's We'd be playing. And it can probably tie right into, did you have it? Did you have it? Uh, homework. Yeah, it's on there. Oh, it's on the bottom. Okay. It's on the bottom. Yep. So if you want, if we, if you want, we can save our, our homework games for that. So I'll start. And actually, my one of my questions, one of my things also covers a question we have later, but I'll save that for the question. Uh, I'll still cover it now. Uh so, last, uh, a little bit ago, I don't remember what day, maybe the 17th, I, uh, I, oh, I'm i looking at what you played and I'm kicking myself for not playing one of those games. <laughs> the game I bought us. <laughs> uh, 
So, yes, uh, I played with my Skype friends. I guess they're not my real friends anymore. They're just Skype friends because I don't <laughs> see them anymore. Uh, my Skype friends, uh, we played uh, Horrified, uh, which was a game that uh, we were we had been looking to get to the table via Skype. Um, in fact, we even bought one of our other friends Horrified for Christmas so that they could play potentially play with us as well. Um, and this is a game that I, that I got like hot off the shelves. Like when it came out, what, like two years ago now at this point, maybe a year ago. And I was very excited for it. Um, I love the universal monsters and, you know, that's really all I knew. I knew it was by Prospero Hall, right? Like this is a company we like that does very good with what they, uh, uh, do and, I didn't know too much more about it, so we finally got to the table. I did. Uh, I watched Rodney's uh, uh, watch it played before we play, just to get some like um, idea of the game. And essentially, what this game is is it's a cooperative game where you play. Uh, I don't want to call them monster hunters, but you play prominent characters in the game who are trying to vanquish. The monsters, universal monsters, uh, and depending on the game difficulty you set it at, there's um, different number of monsters, and they all have different um, objectives, which make them hard or harder depending on the pairing when you when you go against them. So for our gameplay, we had Dracula and randomly drew um, Frankenstein and then Bride of Frankenstein. So they actually play together as one but they're individual pieces with individual objectives. So it's kind of like playing three monsters. And in this game, we had to actually keep them separate from each other for a large period of time or bad things would happen. And I loved this game. In fact, uh, if you're a board gamer, you need to own this game. This game is Pandemic meets Arkham Horror. It is so well I mean, I shouldn't be surprised that Prospero Hall has a perfectly balanced game out. Uh, but it is so well done. It is... It, I, I almost don't even want to talk about too much about how the game plays because it's a genuine like, like joy playing it. So if you know the Arkham Horror games, um, you, event, you essentially you have uh, um, locations on a board which you are navigating between and you're getting um, in Arkham. It's like cards. You're doing the same in here. You're getting tokens. And in this game, there's blue, red, yellow tokens. They are colored based off of the, uh, like, I think it's mental agility and physical, perhaps I could be getting that wrong, but basically you have items that pop up in different locations on the board and you have to get them and use them against the monsters to vanquish them. Each monster has a different way to defeat them. And they also have a thing called Frenzy, which makes them more powerful. And, uh, you know, in Pandemic, you draw uh, tile, like you draw cards after each person's turn. And you could potentially draw like an Epidemic card. Well, it's not too different than that in there. After everyone's turn, you're also resolving a monster turn after every person's turn, not after a group turn, uh, which makes it hectic and fun and 
um, kind of just exciting. I don't know. And we played this over Skype. This is three-player game over Skype. I really feel like playing this in person would just amplify how much fun this game is because you're like reacting to what's happening with people in the same room as you and you can kind of each convey like how you're feeling without the digital difference. But uh, I was actually bummed because I saw they had a, a mock terrified popped up on Facebook or Twitter, which had uh, like monster, like uh, movie monsters like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, Leatherface, sorry, and stuff. That would have been a really cool spinoff. Maybe they'll still do it. Um, but yeah, this game was great. Um, I know I'm like leaving out core game details because. One, it's been a week and a half, and two, uh, <laughs> um, I'm mostly remembering how much fun I had. So, um, like, innocent bystanders pop up, you have to protect them. You can gain victory points. Oh, sorry, you gain ability cards by moving them to the location they need to get back to, and you can bring them with you. One of the things I like, you can share um items with people but also if you're all in the same location you can just use your share action to let other people share between each other which is very cool it's like the medic it's actually not like the medic it's like what the researcher for pandemic I think it, yeah i think it's the researcher. like the expansion version of the medic mm-hmm. essentially uh which is really cool that you can do that you can also bring in uh innocent bystander to you if they're adjacent um you can there's a lot of cool things you can do you also have these special ability cards that you can only get by getting certain conditions which let you do things like move a monster three spaces away or move dracula anywhere on the board but what's also cool about it is those cards have like a and or ability because some of them will say like if the creature of the black lagoon is playing you can do this but we didn't have him on our game but it didn't make that card like null and void it just meant we choose the other option and it also didn't mean pulling cards out of the deck every time you play like you you just you have them in there uh it was really fun playing in a like it really plays like pandemic where you're you're like talking to each other about what you're gonna do on your turn and where you want to go um and there aren't specific rules like in gloomhaven where you have to be vague about what you can do You can literally be like, hey, if you do this, I can do this on my turn. Um, And I'm excited to try the other characters because like Creature of the Black Lagoon adds a different part of the board and he can travel through water, which no one could do in the regular game. Um, Only the creature can do that, which would change the strategy like like I can't even imagine. Um, The mommy has some cool things. Um, There's just a lot of other... I'm excited to play against all the monsters and then also see how they work being on the board together because it also adds more complexity. There's so much um, replayability in this game with just what it comes with. I can't even imagine if they pop out a, a an add-on or expansion or whatever. But yeah, Horrified. Uh, uh, three thumbs up. <laughs> that, that's a lot of thumbs. It was so good. It is interesting there's no expansions for this game yet. Um, and this is one of the games that on Board Game Geek, there is a boatload of fan made expansions that you can download the files for they have phantom of the opera they have the fly the blob children of the dam the headless horse i mean there's so many things there's a scooby-doo expansion like there's so (laughs) many different ways like the community around this game has really 
embraced it and they're doing a lot of things that give you a lot of different ways to play the game uh and yeah there's 61 different files that can be downloaded from the files page not all of those are expansions uh, but there's a whole bunch of stuff the grinch invasion of the body snatchers uh, yeah there's a ton of them that people have created um that must mean it's pretty beloved yeah um and overall beloved. rank 184 not Ooh. too bad not too That's bad at all. Good. <laughs> yeah. So this is a game that I've always been interested in. I just really worry that the theme, even though it's not a scary game per se, yeah, uh, would really turn off my partner because she, she doesn't like horror anything. Yeah. And the fact that the game is called Horrified. Uh, <laughs> but I've heard really, really positive things. So I'm glad you liked it because it's a game that seems like it'd be up your alley in more, alley in more ways than oh, yeah. one. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. Thanks. Do you want to go back and forth or do you just want me to keep going? Just keep rolling. Okay. So I, okay, we'll skip that because I was going to say I did my homework. Uh, Wreckfest and Dirt 5 are both on Game Pass, um, which is exciting to me for a few reasons. Wreckfest I bought on the PS4 and it is, it is just a blemish with load time issues. (laughs) so I was excited to try it on the on the Series X, and yeah, there's uh, essentially no load times. It's great. There's like a couple, there's some loads, but like if I want to restart a race, it literally just restarts right at the beginning, which is a nice change of pace, even from Forza Horizon on the older version, because now there's also no load times. Um, Wreckfest, still a high recommendation, plays real great. If you missed Demolition Derby from the PlayStation 1, this game is for you. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's essentially demolition derby with different types of vehicles. Sometimes you get a race. Sometimes you get, if you know cars, you get the crazy eight, uh, which is which is fun. And yeah, breakfast, great on Game Pass. Play it. Speaking of Game Pass, Dirt Five. This is the first for me next gen racing game I've played. Uh, I think it's the only next gen racing game I believe. I. Th- think right now yes yeah i think so So i could be yeah i I could be wrong so let's just keep it there uh there are three different options there's performance uh graphics and frame rate you can choose from which i thought performance and frame rate were the same i guess they're not so i chose what did i choose i don't even remember what i chose now (laughs) what's the difference between performance and frame rate I don't know. Maybe it was another P that it wasn't performance, but there were three choices, and I thought there would only be two choices for a next-gen one, but anyways, there was three. Um, I don't even remember which one I chose. I think it's irrelevant at this point because the game looks gorgeous. Um, In fact, this is a game, and and Seth kind of called me out, or or called it out on Discord, where he said we were maybe off-base when we talked about it previously, but I still I still stand by that we weren't off base because when it came out, it was highly it was being regarded as not next gen, not great looking, um, and and I didn't play that version of it, so I don't know if there's been patches or whatnot. But this game, not only does it look incredible, the sound is so good, and I'm not even talking about the soundtrack, which is also really good. It's almost like Tony Hawk esque. Like, just really good soundtrack. Um, but the audio, the noises, the sounds. Um, and, I, and I actually played it to show it to my son because he loves cars. And he's like, off-road racing trucks? Are you doing off-road racing trucks? And I'm like, kind of. And he's like, oh, look, it's raining. 
oh, look, you're in mud. And like, this is something a uh, three going on four year old is noticing. It is very impressive just how they nailed going through mud, the control, how that feels, um, puddle physics. Uh, it controls real good and they do a good job at making you feel good. They let you win basically the first two races. Like, there's no challenge, um, which is nice. I can still lose them. I don't know. <laughs> I think this one may make it very easy, uh, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I want to play more, but he kept going. Are you done, Daddy? Is it done? So I didn't play more of it, but I didn't uninstall it, which is you know how Game Pass games go. I play it and uninstall it or don't. Uh, so yeah, Dirt Five, excellent, great game, and great game on Game Pass. If you have a Series X, and and then Seth reminded me, I guess it's in one twenty, which I didn't check to see. So maybe that's the other mode. That is the other mode. I was uh, reading. I looked it up. Uh, resolution mode. Resolution in resolution mode, the game mode. runs in uh, apparently uncapped frame rate, and the, um, which bounces between 30 and 60 frames. Averages out at 40 and maxes out at 2160p and falls as low as 1440p. Um, the frame rate settings locks it um, at a lower resolution, but 60. And then there is a 120 frame per second mode. Um, but they say there is an aggressive level of detail downgrade. Oh, well, that's not good. So, well, I'll check but it out again, anyways. this is also an article from probably a bit ago. Yeah, from yeah, from like October, from October. So that was probably even with the pre-builds of the game before it was officially. So all of that stuff could be much better at this point, since that was an, a bit of an older article. But it was the first one I found that explained the difference. So fair enough. Uh, we played the whatnot cabinet, but I'll save that. Right? Okay. We'll save that for yeah. later. Uh, we played, well, we, now I can say we as in us, we played Outriders. We did. We rode out. To the Durs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Kyle and I played Outriders the first night it was available to us to play together. And then I played it again with, uh, Jason Lacey from Flux to Pose and Garrett Bland of the Nintendo Shack fame. And even voiced by Nathan joined us in the chat. Because guess what? Crossplay does not support game chat. Of course it doesn't. <laughs> so we had to use Discord chat, which was, for me, not great. I don't know about the other guys. Um, I just got my new Sony 3D headset, and I couldn't even use it. <laughs> I had to immediately take it off. Uh, so let's talk about Outriders. I think... Um, does it live up to our hype? I wonder to myself. And I I really enjoyed what we played. Mm -hmm. But once Garrett joined our game as the trickster, it blew my mind. It really changed the game. Not changed it, sorry. It enhanced the game like 10 times. It was so cool how, um, how team friendly that character is. And how helpful that character was in battles. The fact that we got to the first boss that you need to use interrupts on, mm -hmm. and we beat it 10 times quicker than the two of us beat it, just with one extra player, really right. was like, whoa, I don't know if our world tier was different. And that might have something to do with it as well. Right. But um, that character is very, um, I don't know if he's OP, maybe they'll, maybe they'll nerf it, but it seems OP, what, what that character can do. 
he seems like a really good character to have in a group say, setting. I can yes. see how he would be extremely <laughs> impactful in that scenario, but maybe a little challenging alone. Oh, alone? Uh, yeah, maybe alone. That's interesting. Um, I did play a little bit alone the second mm-hmm. night. I played by myself. I saw some people online talking about how it was difficult playing solo. I didn't actually experience that. I actually thought it was pretty well balanced solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was definitely missing companions after having already played with you. Like, I definitely missed that co-op, but I could definitely see this knowing that this is not a game of service and it has an end. I'm not too worried about that aspect of it anymore, but I would prefer to play it cooperatively. Um, it's made by People Can Fly, who did Bulletstorm. It really feels like Gears of Anthem. And uh, I say that because it, it literally copies the Anthem gear system. And I and that's not a bad thing. I think uh, even like the way it's equipped and the abilities that the gear have and even to the end of the colors, uh, it's almost identical to how Anthem's uh, gear system worked. I think it's better than Gears... I mean, sorry, Anthem's gear system because it's improved on that, but it has the same like base. And then and then the combat, maybe Gears is a tough comparison. Gears, somewhere between the Gears and the Division games is where the combat falls, but you're adding powered um, abilities. And I don't know that I've played a game where I feel as powerful as I do with my character, or as cool as I do with my character. And I see the people comparing it to Mass Effect multiplayer. I definitely see that as well. Um, to a degree, but like the fact, so I have the, I'm playing the Pyromancer and one of my abilities is a underground grenade that goes toward a target and sets them on fire. And if they're already at low enough health, they explode and damage people around them in fire. And I just got a new one that not only does it cause interrupt, but if I use it, I put it to my L1, R1 spot. It highlights every visible enemy on the map for me to see. And it will interrupt a boss, which is pretty cool. So I really like, and that's just the fourth ability. And you start with, like, I can't even imagine what else is coming. And, like, the skill tree is really high. Um, I like the controls. It took a couple minutes to get used to because it moves fast. Um, So it's a little, like, I don't want to say clunky because that's a slow terminology, but... It takes some getting used to as far as like movement goes. Yeah. Kind of like Uncharted. Fair. Uncharted is a little fast moving, um, at least in the multiplayer portions. Like mm, you feel like mm-hmm. you're controlling like a hedgehog. Uh, but yeah, I don't know about you, but I love this game and I'm very happy that I already pre-ordered <laughs> it. Bless you. Um, it's it's uh, something I'm looking forward to spending more time in. Yeah, I really enjoyed our time that we played it together. Um, it is, there was obviously, this is a, they say this is a demo and they're very clear that this is a demo, but it's also gotten patched already. Yeah. Uh, because there <laughs> there have been some issues. They, they had a really hard time getting people in, which made sense. And they kind of said that they would like gradually be letting people in. But even like when we played, um, the voice sync was horrible. It was so yeah, bad. Yeah, it was still bad and, and I played again. Yeah, and I assume that has to do with connection to server and all that good stuff because it seems like even though this isn't a games as service, 
Uh, I assume you have to be connected online to play this game based off of how all of those things <laughs> yeah. are going. Uh, the story is, uh, you know, a little interesting. It went places I didn't totally expect. Not that I knew a ton about the story anyway to, to start. But it, you're, you are right that even with the two of us, I think as we were playing, we slowly started to discover like the ways our powers could work together because you would set a whole bunch of people on fire and then I was the devastator or whatever his name is and I have this really cool ability where I jump up in the air and then I can like tank down and like smash into them well you're when you set them on fire it kind of freezes them so then I'm like and then they all explode it was just cool like there's a lot of fun things happening there you are right that when we got to that first boss um and I was like oh you need to interrupt the boss well I was the only one with interrupts yeah yeah I was like I feel pressure <laughs> I feel so much pressure um but it is fun. It's cool. Uh, you, there's a lot of time spent in menus, and the menus are nothing exceedingly special. Uh, they're fine. They're not bad. They're not great. There's a lot of hover over this thing. This other thing has five more, you know, defense. So I guess I'm swapping these out, but now I look dumb. Uh, but so be it, you know. So there's a lot of that general stuff. Uh, I do think it is fun, though. And this might sound weird. And I think Anthem and all that stuff are great uh, comparison points and maybe i just didn't play enough anthem to compare this but for me this game actually feels a lot like or very similar to playing control which okay. probably sounds ridiculous but in the idea of playing around cover and using cover to try to not be taking a ton of damage necessarily but then always cycling between my guns my different guns and my abilities constantly constant cycle of like slamming into this person using my shotgun to finishing them off hiding behind the wall quick using my next ability to stagger this person switching to my pistols to finishing them switching to my assault rifle to hit the guy that's a little bit farther away while i run to this little cover yeah. area you know <laughs> it's like constant cycling between powers and guns and powers and guns and powers and guns and there's a lot of games that do that but control is just the game that i felt constantly especially in control since your gun reloads while you don't use it whereas this game you do have a very slow Oh, very slow reload <laughs> i felt like um so i felt like i was cycling through that all the time but yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it i'm definitely looking forward to playing it, it more i do uh wish i had been able to play it with three because i think it would be really fun um yeah i really enjoyed our time together i'm really looking forward to playing this when it drops on april 1st fully but obviously since the nice thing with this demo is everything carries over um so there's no harm in continuing to play it right now which i think is is very very cool and also i think gives time to try all the characters and decide like who you want to be because yeah. you can get like everyone kind of the same spot basically, which I think is a nice way of like, typically when this game comes out, you know, and you start a character and you get to a certain point, you're like, well, I don't know if I love this character, but I'm already this far. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Like with this, well, heck, just start a new character because you're only going to get so far. Yep. Uh, and actually, it's kind of a cool way to do this, a, a, a nice kind of way to help people find the thing that they feel most passionate about or, or what ties well together. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it too so far. Yeah, the next time we play, we should both pick different characters and, and uh, give it a go because we got pretty yeah, far. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, but I'm going to ask if you can talk about a specific game first. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, I've talked about before how I fell into like this fun house hole on youtube which is a, a youtube channel i've kind of fallen in love with recently and um two of the people that are on there james and at least willems they they also have their own channels but they're married they play uh certain games together and elise plays like she's very passionate about story games and i haven't watched their playthroughs yet but apparently 
Um, she like really gets into like the Sherlock games and the lore. And I saw them playing um, the first hour of The Sinking City, which is a, a Lovecraft Lovecraftian game. And she was playing while all the other guys goofed off around behind her. But, you know, they make their jokes as improv people. But she was really into it. And I didn't really, like, I thought it was a good episode. It wasn't too long ago that I watched it. But, like, a week later, uh, I saw that this game got the PS5 treatment. And it was re-released. And and I always wanted to get into those Sherlock games. And this seemed to me... To be like a blend of Arkham Horror, which is like this new board game app that's coming out, which I'm excited to play, and the Sherlock games where there's a lot of investigation, um, which is why I got it. And I wanted to play it, but I had some homework to do, <laughs> so I didn't. Um, but it's definitely on my list for this week. Uh, so if you could talk about The Sinking City first, I would love to hear your impressions as I know you're a big Sherlock fan. Yeah, so uh, what Josh is referring to is uh, Frogwares, the developer of this game, has made Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishments and then Sherlock Holmes The Devil's Daughter, uh, which were games that I think were pretty niche, but there were people who really, really loved them. Um, they Frogwares is in a, in, in a weird situation. They've had some big issues with their publisher, who is Big Ben Interactive um, for both The Singing City on PS4 and for The Devil's Daughter, but I think they worked with Focus Home Interactive for Crimes and Punishments. But there's been a whole lot of issues with their publisher and them not getting paid and just a whole bunch of gobbledygook around this. So The Sinking City, this re-release on PS5, is published by Frogwares. They're self-publishing this while they still figure out um, what's going on with the Sinking City PS4 version? Because I don't even know if you can get it right now. Like I don't even know if it's available <laughs> just because of all the the shenanigans that are going on there. Uh, but kind of as Josh said, this is a you know a, a game that is set in the HP Lovecraft lore world, uh, and it very much is a detective game. You are going around and trying to solve some mysteries about what's going on in this town. And um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not super super far into it. I probably played about two hours. But what I will say off the top is, number one, this game doesn't tell you anything <laughs> about how to do anything in the game. Not a th- lick. Uh-oh. If I recall, the game starts and it show like it comes up and there's like a brief little tutorial like screen that comes up that's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like you're you have to like solve cases and you're like, OK. And then you like click OK. And then it just goes to the game <laughs> and you're like in a boat, you know, like a little hull of a boat. Yeah. Uh, in your little cabin room, whatever, and you're like, well, what the heck do I do now? So you like, you walk over to a thing, and a little, and a little icon pops up. So I'm like, I guess I hit X. Like, so I hit, <laughs> and like, I don't, I have no idea. And yeah, it was just very, very odd. Uh, they really, really do not onboard you in any way that is remotely reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> so part of the mystery is figuring out how to play the game. So that's one thing. Uh, but I'll, after that, though, you know, you get off the boat and you're in this town that you've been you've had this feel this calling to come here and i'm not going to explain why because it's part of the story that i don't want to spoil for people but then you get your first little mystery that you have to solve so you become a detective and you're going out and you're searching for information and searching for clues and and kind of walking through all these things um and honestly that part was kind of compelling i enjoyed that <laughs> solving that first mystery the the characters in the game are very interesting and very unique um there's definitely a town that this town has some underlying 
issues, we'll say, that you're in. And, and there are definitely some feelings and some, you know how, Josh, they say that they'll put politics in my game? Well, this game is full of politics. Mm. Not telling you necessarily exactly how to feel about something, but many of the issues they talk about are extremely political, like about immigrants and whether how you should treat immigrants in your new town and whether you should allow them to work or not and whether they're taking jobs from other people who had already lived in that. Like a lot of uh-huh. very, uh, things that might make people feel certain ways about things. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. The the like I said, those me- detective mechanics are once you figure them all out and learn them all, uh, pretty interesting. And you discover clues as you go, and these clues go into your book, and then you actually like have to connect the clues to like get a lead. Uh, so you're like going in and like being like, oh, this clue connects to this clue, but it's not what these two people said, which gives you then another lead that you can follow, and then you're like, oh, this clue and this clue go together, which is another new lead you can follow. Uh, there is some combat in the game. And I'll be honest, I kind of wish there wasn't, because uh, it's really kind of, it's not bad, it just feels very clunky, and feels kind of weird, because uh, you're like this detective, and now you're like, no, I got a Tommy gun, boom, 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 it just, yeah, it, I don't know, it, it's a little awkward, uh, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far, I don't know that this is a great game, like, I don't know that it was going to win any awards, but it's not too bad, if, if you get it for a good price, and you're interested in a interesting, compelling detective story... And a, just a game that's going to be really different than a lot of the other games you're going to play. Uh, I think the Sinking City is worth checking out. Nice. So Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Other than that, though, it's a lot of the things that I've been playing before that I'm still just playing Control on PS5. I actually haven't had a ton of time to play video games in general. Uh, just been extremely busy with um, just work and life and all that other stuff. So I haven't had a lot of gaming time, honestly, in the last few weeks. Uh, but still working on my way through Control on PS5. Plan to get the Platinum there again because I still love that game and... That silky, silky 60 frames per second. My goodness. <laughs> uh, so good. Um, I, I have officially fallen head over heels for Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel um, that I'm playing on Vita. Like, oh my gosh, Josh. I, oh, all I This is the game right now of all the games. This is the only one I want to play. All the other games, I'm like, oh, I have some time, so I'll sit down and play it. But this is the game that I'm really wanting to play. The characters are fun and interesting. It's got all of, like many of the cliches of like jrpgs and like these you know role-playing games that you're in a school and you have to build relationships like all that stuff is there uh turn-based combat that is you know not gonna be everyone's cup of tea but oh i'm so enjoying this game so much right now um so really having a great time with that and then yeah the whatnot cabinet um this is my homework so i'll definitely talk about that later when we get to the homework section uh, but that, for the most part, is, is the things I have been playing. Uh, like I said, haven't had a ton of time to play stuff, but have really been enjoying what I have been playing. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what you just made me do? What's that? I just looked up PSP game lot on, e- on eBay. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, on Vita. no, I know what you said. <laughs> but I was, oh, okay. I was thinking of the good one. <laughs> Are we going to end this podcast? Tried, like, are we just gonna? Is this the last episode of the podcast? That's how you go and take a drink. Josh? I figured I could try to get you. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's what we have been playing. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to our homework follow up here at the end of the episode from a couple of weeks ago. But with that, Josh, you know, I want to talk to you about something really quick. This is going to be my Uh-oh. first topic, and I, I don't, I don't want to spend too long on this because I think it's a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but. You know, the last week, there was a lot of video game news. And over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of video game news between, you know, Nintendo Directs and PlayStation State of Plays and just announcements and other things coming out. Josh. Yes. Why do video game players hate video games? (laughs) Because I, 
I don't know that with all of the things that have happened really in the last month when it comes to games, I feel like no one has really been happy with anything. And maybe it's just the very vocal minority who is really um, the people who are coming out and being upset about it. And maybe it's an expectations problem where we're, we're not setting our expectations appropriately for the things that are happening. But I just really feel like, you know, I think it was, um, was it, I think it was Rebecca who like had pointed out like no one hates Pokemon more than Pokemon fans. Like, I think she had tweeted something like that. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's so, like, true. Like, <laughs> with BlizzCon that happened, like, no one hates Overwatch more than Overwatch fans. It's really, really ridiculous right now. And who's, like, is this someone's fault, Josh? Is this just because of the state of the world? Is this just the vocal minority? Like, have we have we just got our expectations completely out of whack? Am I wrong? Am I, are my perceptions of what I'm seeing out there incorrect? Is everyone just thrilled with everything right now? Like, what's going on, Josh? Well... You're not wrong. I think the problem is you are now subject to everyone's opinion. Like it's not like you're, it's just forced upon you because of the internet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of related in an off beaten pathway, but talking to people about um, Gina Carano and the Mandalorian. Yeah. And comparing it to like, um, when I grew up, I was a big baseball fan and you like what Ken Griffey Jr. did in his personal life. I had no clue. I wanted to be right. like Ken Griffey Jr., but be- only because he was good at baseball and he was my favorite player. Now you would still hear about baseball players in the eighties, nineties, um, if they did something bad, but only if it was, they did something bad not said something stupid or bad. Um, And it made the newspaper. Like, so the whole thing about, like, idolizing, idolizing, like, sports players wasn't, like, a big deal. Like, it's okay to idolize Barry Bonds before (laughs) 1996. Uh, But what happens now is, like, people try to, to put that same logic behind like a Gina Carano situation. And you can't do that because so my example would be like, say you have a daughter and you are trying to introduce her to star Wars and you're like, okay, let's my daughter's let's say 15 old enough to watch the Mandalorian with me. She doesn't know who Gina Carano is. She's, she really likes Cara Dune. And then her dad tells her, Oh, she used to be a great MMA fighter. And she was in a couple movies and she's good. And then she looks her up and then she finds her Instagram and then she sees what happened. Like she sees what this person said. And then now, now at this point, this girl says, oh, maybe she's right. Right. So maybe this person is right. And they go down this dangerous track of like uh, following what this person is saying now and not thinking for themselves. And I think in a roundabout way, what is happening with video games is people aren't thinking for themselves. They they see somebody come down on Pokemon or whatever, and either they think, I agree, and I know nothing about the game. I agree um, because I've thought that way for a long time, and now someone else agrees with me. Or um, I just know that this is going to cause a thing, and then they jump on that. So it's like the, you know... 
It's like the one person who the person who finds the one Black Lives Matter protester at the Capitol riot and goes, Black Lives Matter did this. It's not like people aren't taking the time to think for themselves. And I in a and I don't even necessarily mean that in an insulting way. I just think like it's groupthink and it's everyone is upset about something to be upset about something. And honestly, after the year we've had, I don't necess- even blame people for wanting to be upset or frustrated because you also need an outlet to be frustrated. And unfortunately for us in gaming, you're always going to have a reason to be frustrated or angry. <laughs> you just have to look hard enough. Like we could go through a whole year with game delays and great games coming out and not and no one could complain. Hey, can you believe Cyberpunk got delayed? Yeah, but you know what? They said when it's done, it's done. And I want to play that game when it's done. Great. End of conversation. End of argument. We're not mad anymore. But I also can understand the other side where some people really, really, really look forward to a game release. They take time off because we just talked about this in a previous episode where sometimes people take time off for game releases and people Mm -hmm. pre-order and it's more about the expectation that's being set than anything else. I think it's less about the delay and more about how people handle disappointment. They don't necessarily know how to internalize cyberpunk got delayed or they don't think about the greater picture of what would this game look like if it wasn't delayed. And in the cyberpunk situation, we got both. Of yeah, those. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> the point about you know social media, it's yeah. I I do wonder about how many of you know because I you know being growing up in Minnesota, obviously like Kirby Puckett was like a huge deal for baseball yeah. fans, right? And then you find everything out about him that we did like later, you know, once the internet became more accessible and people started posting things and all that information came to light and it it just really changed like the way you think about people and the perspective and, and how you think about putting people on pedestals and and worship or however you want to look at it of you know oh this person's a hero you know and it, it makes it a challenge i also feel like we're <laughs> living like in a slipknot song lyric here uh, just because i think about like the lyric from the song snuff where he's like you couldn't hate enough to love it's like we have to really hate these th- like hate these things in order to love them which is like horrible but i, I it just i really feel that way that it, in a time where games are supposed to be our outlet and um a real a cool way to cope and still be able to connect with people just seems like everyone is so upset with everything that's happened in the last month of announcements and news and maybe you're right. Maybe it's because expectations have been there. And I, I do partially wonder uh, whose expectations, you know, who's who's at fault for those expectations. You have Aaron Greenberg coming out, addressing a rumor for an event that's not even confirmed yet. Yeah. Be like, hey, this if, if by chance this event happens, that thing's not going to happen there. Yeah. Right? Like, how ridiculous is that? Like, companies are trying so hard now to set expectations <laughs> because they've just seen how upset everyone is getting when they never said a thing was going to happen right they were just like hey we're even when the companies are setting expectations as best they can of like hey we're going to do a state of play we're going to talk about games you've already seen right exactly they said that in the (laughs) blog post you know like yeah and then people were like this was and then and then you go to the places on the internet where folks you would think are going to be reasonably knowledgeable 
about <laughs> all these things and people are like, oh, state of play. I really hope Elden Ring is there. You mean the game that has a marketing deal with Microsoft? That game? Right. You think it's going to be at the state of play? Right. Like, uh, anyway. Nah. But I just felt bad. Like, even after the Nintendo Direct, even after the Pokemon one, I was like, oh, people are probably really stoked about this. I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, but I know other people really like Pokemon. And all I saw were people being like, oh, all this is is like they're just making Zelda games, like Pokemon into Zelda games. I'm like, I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> like, is That's that what, what everyone wanted? wanted the last one to be, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so confused. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know. And I, because all the events, I was like, oh, that was fine. Like, none of them I thought were great, but none of them I thought were bad either. No, they were all fine. Even the, right. even BlizzCon thing was, was right. fine. It was fine. But that's because they said, they gave us a little heads up. <laughs> they did. <laughs> that, if they didn't give that heads up, it would have been No a Diablo 4, no Overwatch 2, no, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, but I just want to talk about that because I was like, am I just completely out of it? And I'll be honest, I called my Twitter follow the people I follow on Twitter significantly over the last like two weeks. Yeah, you kind of have because to I'm do like, that. I just, I, I just, I'm not in. Like, if you want to be disappointed, that's totally fine. Be disappointed in the way something is, and you are welcome to share those feelings on social media and and have that outlet. Go to town. But my goodness, like, if almost all you ever have to say is something negative. Like, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I can't hang out with you on social media anymore. Well, the thing you said about the Slipknot song, it really, like, covers. So, if you eliminate the internet and you put yourself in a party in the 90s, right? You're at someone's Mm -hmm. house and it's a party. And you're talking to three friends. And then someone says that your favorite movie is the worst movie they've ever seen. Your instinct is to go into defensive mode. Yeah. Now, times that by 1.5 million people. True. And that's why the internet is the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not a great place a lot of the time. No, it's almost always horrible. (laughs) It is. It really is. Unless you just go for like legitimate news where everything written is fact and no opinion. That's the only way you're safe on the internet. Yeah. And that's very, very hard to find these days. That's also true. <laughs> so, and I do, and part of it, maybe, I don't know, maybe enthusiast press is part of the problem because it's funny, but I don't know if it's totally true though, because I follow a lot of MMA news and journalists and I don't see the same thing happening there because it's still a niche thing and it's, yeah, it's a sport, but you know, it's still, I would argue mostly enthusiast press, like the people who cover it, like love MMA. Yeah. But they don't love their I, players I, getting paid. Well, they they want the fighters <laughs> to get paid. <laughs> that's the thing. And maybe that's actually the weird thing about it is that a lot of the journalists seem to be like anti-UFC and pro fighters. So maybe that's why it just feels different. But I, I really feel like games journalism as a whole, it has become such a snark fest of like you are oh, yeah. theoretically yes. the professional people covering this. But then it's like, how fast can we get a dunk? You know, like. Well, when Jason Schreier is like the big, like when he, I mean, I don't mean to, I don't want to make apologies for coming down on Jason Schreier. When people look to this guy who just keeps going up and up in the game industry, he is the king of snark. He is the king of passive aggressive posts. And it's all to serve one purpose, to get you to read his book or his article. Like, he's like the pinnacle of that. Yeah, well, and I, you know, for better or for worse, and again, tying this back to 
other industries that I have heard people talk about, like, unfortunately, it comes down to clicks, right? Like, you got to pay the bills. Yes, you're right. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, like, in MMA, you know, who cares? Like, realistically, who cares what Conor McGregor's doing right now? Because he's not going to fight again for a year, even though he says he wants to fight three times this year. We know he's not going to. But if he post something on twitter on instagram like every single mma site for the most part is going to write an article about it because they know people will click on it even though it's who cares like he's not doing anything rather than probably defending himself against another sexual assault allegation so (laughs) you laugh but it's uh yeah i don't i only laugh because i'm uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) so but it's like oh look there's another allegation against him so then he's going to talk about how he's looking at coming out to do a fight imagine that it works it's like clockwork but anyway all right josh what is your second topic this week uh what is my second topic this week well kyle i bought my my wife a board game on a whim will i regret it does she know you bought it yet she does i was like how do i justify her seeing $65 taken out of her checking account without me telling her first. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, my question to you is, what do you think of this game I'm about to tell you about? <laughs> uh, I will say this. I already got my shipping notification two days ago, so it's already going to be here this week, which is oh, dang. exciting. Uh, better than Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Stardew Valley now has an official co-op board game and it's sold through stardewvalleyshop.com or hyphen valley shop, whatever it is. You can Google it. It is sold out right now. Just it's so. sold out. Look at me. Yeah. I'm going to get extra bonus points when I tell my wife it's sold you out. You are. It is sold out. <laughs> um, so I, I grabbed, I, ju- uh, I just grabbed this article off Dicebreaker, which is like my new favorite website. It's a great uh, website. Because uh, I just needed to, a reference point to talk about uh, what I got. It is one to four players, um, but essentially it's a co-op um, title for one to four players. It tasks its farmers with protecting the land they've inherited from their grandfather. I like the game, apparently. I I don't know. I played, what, 20 minutes of the game co-op, and I didn't listen to any of the story. Um, so yeah, an idyllic patch of farmland. The valley is under the threat of being redeveloped by the Joja Corporation. Sounds horrible like shinra uh destroying its natural beauty and its residents way of life if you stop the residents that would be more dramatic destroying its natural beauty and its residents to prevent the corporate takeover players must work together to complete the goals laid out by grandpa and restore the valley's community center to its former glory i will say this um so this was shared by rebecca aka forrest minish on our Discord, I immediately clicked it and um, saw the art, and I knew right away the production quality in this game is going to be pretty high, or at least the artist. I mean, I guess these tiles could be paper, and I could be regretting it immediately. <laughs> uh, but um, it is designed by some by a relatively known game designer or designers. Um, Eric Barone and, and Cole Medeiros. Medeiros? I'll probably say that wrong. Um, yeah, the shipping was 10 bucks. I wasn't thrilled about that. That's a, a bit much, but the, as quickly as they shipped it, I'm happy. Uh, I, my wife, actually, not me, was reading in the forums. Uh, people are kind of trashing the game, I guess, saying it's a ripoff of Agricola. And I said to her, well, hey, have you played Agricola? 
No, neither have I, so who cares? <laughs> it's going to be new to us. And Agricola is a very well-regarded game. So if it's a ripoff of that or a copy of that, uh, I think we're in uh, good company. So I guess I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever bought a game without and doing any research? Will be my first question for you. Well, what do you consider to be research? Uh, not even the, looking at anything more than the shop page. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that I have. Because I think even when I am out browsing games at my FLGS, when that was the thing I could do, if I came across a game that either the title sounded interesting or the box art looked interesting, I immediately Googled the, the designer to see what else they had done if I did not recognize the name. So I don't know that I've ever... other. I guess when I bought the bundle... Where you got the ten random games? Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't. I didn't know what I was getting. So theoretically, I bought some games in there that I had no idea what they were. So that would probably be about it, though. Usually, I am, at the very least, looking up who the designer is in the previous work they've done. Nice. And uh, does this game and its theme interest you at all? No. <laughs> good. I mean, good. Why is that good? <laughs> I mean, okay. Good. Thank you for answering. <laughs> uh, good, I guess, because it's sold out. That would be bad if you wanted it and you couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I had played Stardew Valley, I'd be more interested, but it is not something that is interesting to me as is currently. Yeah, so. I feel like uh, for me, we've talked about this in the past a bunch, um, which is why I own Cloudspire and we haven't played it yet. When my wife shows interest in a game, I I immediately want to like foster that and be like, hey, let's do it. This is great, you know? And then I said to her, I said, well, since I bought a board game for your favorite game, I can buy the Horizons or Dawn board game there, right? <laughs> and she's like, that's $100. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. And then, of course, it went back up on price on Amazon. So it's not 100 it. but it's not 60 <laughs> So that's uh, on the short geez. list now. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I, I knew she would be thrilled, and I'm excited to learn a new game always, and I know this will, will get to the table immediately. I know that. So at least I know I'll be getting a game, you know, right to the table. And I think, what did we just get for her? Autumn Harvest, which is from Renegade, which is like a spinoff of um, that other game she likes that was fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm, With the uh... animals. Uh Aqua Cove is the sequel. Uh, it's got to be in this room somewhere because I can't get rid of it. I just have to find it. I don't even see it. That other game that she really liked a lot that was by Renegade, which has cute furry forest animals, which is by the same people. And you should put it. Oh, Tea Dragon Society. It is on the back of the box. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you should put it on the back of your box if you're making a sequel. <laughs> And they did. They did. Smart. Well, I look forward to hearing all about the Sardew Valley board game when you get it this week. So I'm sure you're going to play it right away, right? Yeah, I'm home at seven. So there you go. <laughs> well, eight. I got overtime this week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to watch a Marvel movie this time. You can play some Stardew Valley, the board game. Sweet. All right. Anything else you want to say about that game? Um, No, but I don't know why I just thought of this now. I know your partner might not be into Horrified, but if you decide you want to get it, mm -hmm. we can get a Skype night going. Okay. And, she, and like, this is co-op. She still might play it. So, All right, Josh. 
Well, prepare for some snark, I guess, because I just talked about people I being snarky. Snark. That's like I know. <laughs> uh, hey, Josh, you may have heard that there's been a name change to the upcoming Anthem oh. <laughs> rework. Um, they originally were going to call it Anthem Next, but EA and Bioware have changed the name now to Anthem Never. Get it? <laughs> I I remember <laughs> reading this. It was funny when I read it. <laughs> 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 so as we had talked about, I think we've, we talked about, but it had been announced that uh, EA was taking a look at Anthem and the work that they had done, and there was going to be a decision made soon as to whether to continue it. And Bioware has announced that Anthem Next, which was going to be kind of their rework and what they've been working on since, gosh, 2019 when this game came out, um, to try to breathe some new life into um, all the issues and concerns that exist with Anthem, uh, has officially been shelved. So Anthem is going to stay as is. Uh, they're leaving the servers up, but there's not going to be any real future work done on the game so that Bioware can, fu- can focus on Dragon Age and the next Mass Effect game. Uh, Josh, Anthem was a game that you and I both played. I think we both enjoyed. Yeah. You know, uh, but obviously there were clearly some issues with it and some frustrations <laughs> with it. What are your thoughts? Are you surprised at Anthem Next getting canceled? Uh, what do you think the legacy of Anthem will be? What are your thoughts? I don't like anything about uh, the history of Anthem, I guess. I really enjoy the game a lot. I actually did. And um, every time I say that sentence, I am reminded, immediately reminded that if someone didn't play this game within the first three months of it launching, they would not enjoy the game as much as I did, which is awful to think about on so many levels, the money that they spent, the money that the consumers spent, the hours that developers put into the game, um, even down to play testers. Like it's maybe, maybe if they should have fired the play testers. Uh, <laughs> um, I say that as a joke. Uh, we talk about, we talked about Anthem next. I would say just as many times as I thought about it in the year that it was being developed. So twice. Um, and mostly I think we talked about the lack of news from it more than anything else. So I was more worried about them not communicating anything than any like than anything else. In fact, the idea that people could jump into Anthem, you can go to Walmart right now and buy Anthem. It's still on the on the shelf. PC on Xbox and PlayStation. Someone could like unknowingly buy a dead game, which is a problem. And I and I know it's not like dead dead but like you can't go in and play a co-op mission you might have to wait 30 minutes maybe you can uh but you're not playing with ai right so uh and then god forbid they just match you into the last story level of the game because you're just trying to get a game played so you choose the random option but they put a big effort into changing the game originally and i think they made a lot of good quality of life improvements like on that first huge update where you could just go to the forge immediately. You don't have to go do all that nonsense. And it seemed like they were heading in the right direction. So I was excited about Anthem next, but man, like a game with so much promise and so many great ideas that even that they worked, they worked. They just couldn't figure out how to make it a game that worked. Like everything kind of worked on its own to a degree, except for the big things multiplayer (laughs) 
which is one, uh, and maybe it's just multiplayer. Uh, maybe if they just made it a game, uh, not a game of service, it would have been fine too. Like, I don't know. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that went wrong, and and I think we only have No Man's Sky to look at how someone made that bad situation good. I don't know how No Man's Sky is making money. I think it's like the Netflix model because they keep giving the game updates for free, but. At least that is an example of a studio that spent the time and the resources to fix the problems. And I don't know if we'll ever know really what happened, like post-development development on Anthem, but uh, there is at least one example of someone overcoming this. So I, I don't know. It's really devastating to me because I had so much fun with the game. I also know, like, I I think about people like Donnie who, like, played this and it's left a, like, a bitter taste for games that will be like this or are currently, like, it's going to affect how you enjoy similar games to this as well. I agree with all of that. And for all the problems Anthem had, there there was a lot of fun to be had there still. And it is disappointing that you know we're not going to really ever get to see the full possibilities of what this game could you know be uh matt piscatella on twitter um after this news came out matt um piscatella does stuff for the npd um and is always the guy who gives you all of the awesome video game information that the npd um is sharing and he sh- and he talked about how uh, anthem was the 15th best-selling game of 2019 so there's a lot of people who bought anthem yeah. that's a lot of people you know and that many people who bought like that was not worth the investment to ea to try to recapture right. those people so it does make me wonder or worry more i should say about something like avengers right like avengers has an ip name behind it but if, as far as player counts go everything we've been hearing about has how low the player counts in that game go we know there's a roadmap but is that roadmap going to be fulfilled like anthem had a roadmap of what they were going to do can you imagine they if they do it they don't if they just shut down Avengers before they put Spider-Man in? Well, according to a leak, Spider-Man is supposedly the next character, so we'll see if that's true. I thought it was Black Panther. Well, <laughs> it's going to be Spider-Man, Black Panther. Supposedly. <laughs> supposedly. That's a I mean, leak that I'm just could picturing, like, if, if yeah. they're really struggling, putting two Hawkeye characters in a row isn't going to save them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it's troubling, right? Especially with big corporations, and we've all... I know I'm like EA's center of a lot of the issues recently, but when you have someone who who can really just focus on units sold mm-hmm. over like quality or quality of life of a game, it's kind of a scary thing. Yeah. So from the, coming up from this news as well was that um, as a result, basically of how Anthem has done that EA. Is allowing Bioware, <laughs> allowing. ostensibly, uh, that Dragon Age 4 is going to be a solely single-player experience. Before this, it was going to have some pretty heavy multiplayer online components, supposedly. Um, and because of the results of Anthem, that is all being scrapped, they can, they're, and they're just going to be making a single-player game. Do you think there's going to be good things that come as a result of this? Because Games of Service was like the thing for a while, right? Like everyone had to have a game of service. Now we see all of these games of services really starting to struggle. And and there has been the conversation of like, there's only so many towers in a day, right? Like you not, you can kind of have one of these that you play and that's about it, yeah, right? Yeah. 
So do you do you think games of service as a whole are going to continue to go away? Do you think this is going to lead to a rise of single player thoughts? Like, what do you think the long term um, impacts of this might be? I mean, I think you're right. Like, games of service, like our original offerings were EverQuest and World of Warcraft, right? And they were fine. They were very successful for a long time, and then all of a sudden, so we saw what I would say is. What people thought was impossible, we saw a Final Fantasy and a Star Wars game of service fail. Two of the biggest gaming franchises before games of services were a thing. So I don't I don't want to say it was from greed, but like part of I think like at least when I think about EA right now, unfortunately, that's what I think about. Um and I'm sure part of it was it's not I guess it's not greed if you're trying to be successful, but when it comes down to like a gamer's perspective. I think it does look that way. Um, but like you mentioning like Dragon Age going multiplayer and I'm like, oh yeah, just how EA managed to kill Dead Space, one of the best horror video games ever made. They're like, oh yeah, we need to make this multiplayer and, you know, co-op and change the whole format of the game because that's what people want right now. They're not thinking about the idea of like the mission statement of the game. They're going, what is big now? Oh, okay. Co-op multiplayer. Why isn't Dead Space multiplayer? Well, because it doesn't make sense to be multiplayer. So now they're like, well, why isn't Dragon Age Destiny? That doesn't make sense to me. Why isn't Dragon Age uh, Elder Scrolls Online? Why aren't we doing this? So if I have to sacrifice Anthem next to actually get a Dragon Age that is Dragon Age... Yeah, I, t- I do that every day, but it stinks that you have to. It it stinks that they have to paint that in that light. That they go, oh, because of this failure, we're gonna allow someone to make a game the way they want to make it. Like a Mass Effect game of service would not work because that's not what Mass Effect is. A Dragon Age game of service would not work in my mind. I mean, I'm sure someone's sitting at home thinking about a way that it could work, but that's not Dragon Age. Like, call it something different. Name it something different. If you really have to do that. I just, uh, I don't know. I got like a weird feeling in my belly when that jumped in our Discord about the fact that Dragon Age was going to be a game of service. (laughs) Yeah. Insane. So, it it seems, and I could be wrong about this part too, but there seems to be kind of two pricing models for the future of games. There's going to be the single player premium game that you spend $70 on. Yeah. And there's going to be the free to play game like Valorant where legitimately skins can be five or a hundred dollars. Okay. Well, it's a pack of five skins, but still, that's still too um, much money. <laughs> it's a hundred dollars. $20 a skin. Yeah. So, but free to play, like, like you don't have to buy those, right? Yes. Like you, you can you can also buy the five dollars skins. Like you don't have to buy the hundred dollars skin pack. Yeah. Do you are you okay? Are you do you feel comfortable with, you know, some streamers who I watch, obviously who are typically going to be Overwatch streamers, but have strong ties to Blizzard. They're very confident that all future Blizzard stuff is going to be free to play. Period, including Diablo Four. No, uh... that is what they're saying. Okay. Now, that, again. Okay. That, who knows? I can see that. That could be wrong. I can see that. That is their, you know, Overwatch 2, probably for sure Z's. Maybe you'll pay for the PvE stuff. But 
you know, because Overwatch was at a weird time where like loot boxes were still a thing, but basically everything post Overwatch because of Fortnite has gone away from that. So Overwatch is one of the few things that like still has a loot box yeah. for the most part. Um, but are you okay with a world where like, hey, everything's free to play and you buy expensive skins or it's a $70 single player experience? Like, is that kind of pricing model something you're cool with? I mean, I think they can both coexist, but um, honestly, thinking about Diablo specifically, um, if they release Diablo free to play with one character, uh, I could 100%. Honestly, with the amount of time I've put into Diablo 3, 2 and 1, I won't combine them together, but I put more time into Diablo 3 probably than any other game I've ever played, maybe even combined. <laughs> um if they were to ask me even $20 for a character, I would do that. I would be okay with that. Uh, but I think th- what I get more worried about is the um, development put into what they're selling you. So if it's... So Diablo 2, right? Remaster. They're like, hey, you can play up to eight player co-op. And then I'm like, wait a second. There were eight classes in Diablo 2. And then I'm like, oh, Diablo 2 expansions and then reskinned classes and renamed, right? So if I'm going to buy Diablo 4 and I buy a, a Barbarian and then they do the Paladin like they did with Diablo 3, which is essentially the same class but with different abilities, and they still ask me to spend another $20, I think it's going to get... That's where that gets like kind of like blurry. And then Fortnite got me to come back just for the Mandalorian and I bought the Battle Pass. Mm-hmm. But I also knew 20 bucks gets me the Mandalorian skin and it's like three or four months of Battle Pass content. So it's not quite like you know where you're, you're buying. Right. Like I did buy a skin technically, right? Uh, but I also bought like some perks if I played the game where when at the time of purchase I thought I was gonna play it. <laughs> I thought twenty dollars was too much for a skin, Josh. It is, I think. <laughs> As you just paid twenty dollars for a skin. Yeah, I paid to, I paid twenty dollars for a skin and I didn't put in the time to gain the battle pass stuff to make it worth my time. So I really did pay twenty dollars for a skin. But for Kevin Austin, twenty dollars for that skin, he's actually making money on that. Because he's clearing the battle pass. He's he already has enough points from the previous ones to do the next. So like there's ways to game the system and they, and they know that, but they're also making a hundred million dollars a day on DLC. So they don't care. Yeah. But when you, when you try to incentivize a game like Overwatch or even Dragon Age with that same model, that's where the, I think is the problem. Cause you can't, you can't copy paste that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work for everything. And I think you start to see that with other games. Absolutely. Awesome. Josh, what is your third topic? My third topic? Well, I guess it's the topic that everyone but us is talking about. Uh, So I guess my question to us is, should we be playing this game? This game that apparently we're the only two people in the gaming universe that that we are not playing, and that is Valheim. This is old. This is from February 24th. Where they sold, Valheim sold 4 million copies in three weeks. Not only that, it was the second most concurrent streaming game to Counter-Strike on Twitch. Which is unheard of. There was a a peak of 500,000 Steam users uh, 
playing. Uh, it's only been three weeks from this game. This is another, this is from Eurogamer, uh, although I wanted to pull this story for a while, so I did the same thing where I just kind of searched for a Valheim article. But basically, uh, <laughs> well, okay, here's the crazier part. It is made by Iron Gate Studios, who employ a total of five people. <laughs> uh, they hit four million. They hit the four million mark. Um, not only that, but it reached two million copies sold on fifth, the 15th of February and then three million on the 19th. So in four days, they had a million more sales. Uh, it is currently still up there with the top concurrent player count games of PUBG, Counter-Strike Go, Dota 2, and Cyberpunk, which is surprising me. <laughs> Cyberpunk's up on Steam still. Um, I think what is most surprising to me is that it is a game that we've seen before with the Viking theme. It's Rust. It's Ark. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing. Um... It's a survival game, but I will say I did watch some gameplay today where five people were playing together and they fought a lightning stag mm -hmm. and it was super cool. So it has like a weird <laughs> boss fight, like, uh, war, like, wow. But there were people, they were fighting it, throwing like wooden spears and they were not wearing armor. So it didn't seem too hard to do either. <laughs> But yeah, like it's one of those games. You got to feed yourself, you got to clothe yourself, you got to sleep, you got to do all these things. So it's kind of, while I question should we be playing this, I already know the answer. This is not a game for me. <laughs> okay. Um, because I don't love the survival games. Now, so you're saying even though you could play it with friends, you wouldn't want to play Valheim? I would play it. I would okay. play it. But I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be the one to initiate it. So, so what I have heard and, and listening to other people talk about this, because I'm also not a huge survival game fan, uh, but what I've been told or heard or have read about this game is it takes the survival genre and just kind of sands off the rough edges in that if you get cold, you just move a little slower, like you don't die. You know, like, so it takes all of like the punishing parts that exist in those games and just makes it not quite so punishing. So it is much more about hanging out with friends. And yes, there are bosses basically. So there's a little more direction to it. And once you beat a boss, from what I understand, you can move on then to a new biome and you can build boats and like all of this cool stuff. Right. So I've actually been kind of interested in this, but it is a game I would want to play with other people. This is a game I would never play by myself. I would never just sit down to play Valheim, but if there was a group of like three or four people who are like, hey, we should, you know, start a Valheim campaign, if you want to call it that, and start doing it, I would totally do it in that scenario. Uh, but I don't know that I would play it by myself because I've watched some playing and it's interesting. And <laughs> it's always f funny to me that games like this that become super popular because you look at it and you're like, not really a looker. Yeah. It, you know, it's not like, it looks looker. fine. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, but I do have my new PC coming hopefully soon because we finally got our refund. So nice, I'll be able to play some PC games here soon. Um, funny, I looked. I wanted to look to see where it was on Twitch right now as far as streaming goes. It's the number eleven game right now being streamed on Twitch. But Josh, do you want to know what the if, what do you think the twenty fifth most popular game right now of view as far as viewers go is on Twitch? <laughs> the twenty fifth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, could I ever guess it? In a million years? 
Well, here I'll I'll tell you the two games before it and the two games after it. So the two <laughs> okay. games, so twenty three and twenty four are Call of Duty: Modern Warfare and Overwatch. Yeah. And then the games directly after it are Garena Free Fire and Rust. Also, oh, takes a pretty big <laughs> dive. Uh, what could it be? I don't know. Um, Anthem. <laughs> that is a great guess, but no. Code names. Oh, hey, look at us. I know, right? What's up with that? <laughs> I never knew code names was a game people watched on Twitch, but there's uh fifteen thousand people watching code names right wow. now. So that's our anyway. new calling. Once you get your computer, we're just gonna start Twitch streaming us playing board games together. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So but yeah, but no, like I said, once I get a new PC and stuff, I would be down to play Valheim. That looks cool. And part of me wants to, you know, four people being like, hey, here's this game we're working on. Or five people. Kind of want to support that. That's kind of cool, right? You heard it here first. Board with video games. Steam Nights. That's Steamy right. Steamy Nights. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh that, I, Steamy Nights. Steamy I like nights. that. Cool. Anything else about Valheim you want to say? Um. Hey, I'm happy for their success. And yeah, it's awesome. pretty cool to see things like this happen in the world where... Like we talked about earlier, we're just surrounded by negativity. I <laughs> know. <laughs> All right. Speaking of negativity, Josh, my third topic <laughs> is PlayStation had a lot of news this last week, but the only thing we're really going to talk about is we're just going to briefly talk about their state of play that they did. Yeah. Um, talked about 10 different games, all for the most part games we had seen before. Uh, but rather than going through all of them, Josh, I just want to ask, was there a highlight for you? Was there a game or two that you were super most interested in from what they showed? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what should I start with? Highlight? Something I'm interested in? What do you want? Follow your heart. Let the music guide you. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, let me start by saying this. I don't I don't know what Deathloop is. If it doesn't look like the coolest James Bond game I've ever seen, uh, I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> In fact, have you seen all of the previous trailers for Deathloop? Yeah, and I still don't know. And you still don't know what Deathloop is? No, no. Okay, I know what the plot is, but I don't know okay. what the gameplay is. Got you. Okay. I don't know what we're going to be playing. I get that you're constantly killing each other, but what's the end game with that? How do you kill someone? What like? And all of a sudden, we're like. I don't want to say timeline jumping, but kind of uh, place time place jumping time place jumping. That's that sounds silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> got a bad case of the TPJs. Um, it, they're doing a great job at marketing for me specifically, but I don't like Donnie pre-ordered this game, and I'm like, oh no, Donnie, <laughs> don't do that to yourself. You're gonna hate this game probably. Why pre-order games anymore? They just get delayed. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. I think I don't know what I'm getting with this game, but I appreciated the trailer. Um, I am, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Um, I guess I have a question for, uh, do I do my question first or do I do my comment first? I am head over heels for Yuffie. <laughs> Okay. So I am so thrilled that we get this weird uh, DLC for her. Um, I'm terrified of the fact that I'm going to have to play Encounters with only two people. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> um, um, I could care less about what's his name, the guy whose name I always forget. <laughs> 
Um, so I'm thrilled about that. I am bummed that uh, for a couple things on this, I'm bummed that, well, one, I understand why they didn't announce the PS Plus games during this. And that's why I'm bummed because they're giving you this game for free. But then they're like, hey, you don't get to play as the people we just showed you as unless you have a PS5. This game being Final Fantasy VII. Which you Sorry, Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that. Uh, so yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake is what I'm talking about. So we get DLC with Yuffie and Generic Soldier, weird name guy. Um, but you only get them if you have PS5, and you only get them for free if you have the digital version of the PS4 game, right? I don't think that the PS4 no. digital version works. You I mean, get physically. the... So you can upgrade the from the PS4 to the PS5 version um for free, but that the DLC, the Yuffie like Yuffie's like um chapter, yeah. you still have to pay for no matter what. Oh, even we do? Yep. Oh, I'm less so excited. you get the you get the enhancements. <laughs> yes. So all of like oh, yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. as at no extra cost. But then the um you'll still need to p- purchase the episode separately. Okay. Okay. So it is basically like buying DLC. Okay, I mean, I'm okay with actually supporting it with more money, I guess, when I think about it. Um, Sifu looks really cool. It actually reminded me of the raid. Uh, oh, yeah, the hallway fight? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I'm looking at the thing right now. Okay, I'm going to leave one a specific one for you. I don't understand why Oddworld is still a game, but whatever. Good for the people <laughs> who like it. And isn't Solar Ash the Pathless? And that's the end of my comments from the... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Preach there, bud. Uh, okay, so th- I thought the state of play was... It was fine. It was totally fine. And it goes back to everything that else has happened this month. It was fine. Um, Crash Bandicoot 4 coming to PS5. Like, we knew that was coming already. I I think there clearly is, like, trying to ensure that they are having good relationships with both Activision and EA. Because we saw, obviously, Crash Bandicoot from Activision and Knockout City from EA. So, <laughs> yes, ensuring that those relationships are still strong, I think, is mostly the reason those things still existed there. I agree that Sifu, I thought was awesome, is from the same developers who made Absolver. Yes. Which was a fun game. Uh, but honestly, like, this is what I wanted Absolver to be, it looks like, right? This seems to be single-player story thing where you're going through and you age every time you get knocked down. Like, very cool because, like, how the combat in that game worked was awesome. Uh, but I just, from contextually of how Absolver played was not what I was looking for. Um, but this looks really, really really cool and the art direction it is pretty striking uh the gameplay for returnal i thought was awesome oh i was very surprised to see that story twist i didn't know that that was part of the game and that made me more excited for the game yeah and that's kind of what they've been they've been doing um these things called house casts which is house marks giving updates on the game uh and they've talked a lot about how like this is the first like they've played like hired like writers and like they are telling like a full story with their game um, so I'm very interested to see where that goes. The Solar Ash thing, I agree. It kind of was like the Pathless, which uh, with a little bit of like, oh, Shadow of the Colossus, I guess thrown in. I guess a little bit, but like not like, yeah, kind of still the Pathless. But I'm guess, but you can be on the creatures, so I guess that's how it's different right, than the Pathless, right. whereas before you're. <laughs> but yeah, that whole movement, it, yeah, that was very very interesting. Uh, I don't know what the obsession with Five Nights at Freddy's is. I don't get it either. Because it is showing up in so many things and props to the people who love it. That's awesome. Um, I agree though, like the Deathloop trailer was sweet. Uh 
Keenan Bridge of Spears coming out in August. Ah, a little later than we were hoping, but man, that trailer was amazing looking. I thought at least I thought that looked really really good. Um, yeah, so overall, like I said, it was fine. Like I, you know, really excited for Returnal. Really excited for Kina. Definitely will be playing Final Fantasy VII. Deathloop loop looks really cool. Um, and Sifu, I thought was a really nice, fun surprise and something new that we hadn't seen yes. before. So overall, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was decent. You know, I walked away with half the games and being like, awesome. Those seem pretty cool. And Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, I never would have bought, but since it's going to be free on PS Plus in April, I guess. Oh I'll yeah, give it a that's right. Also, a great, so, great month for PS Plus. Yeah, so cool. All right, Josh. Well, we're gonna keep rolling on because we got a lot of stuff to get through still. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long one tonight. Strap uh, homework, in. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> homework, Josh. We gave ourselves or each other some homework a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the homework I gave you was you had to play Monster Train for an hour. You had to for an hour, and you had to play um, Unbroken. Unbroken. That was the two things, excuse me, I gave you, correct? Correct. Okay. Why don't you give me an update? How, how are things going? I have played Monster Train for well over an hour. <laughs> nice. Uh, I actually really enjoy Monster Train now. Um, I'm bummed. There's no reason why this game shouldn't be on xCloud with touch control support. The fact that Slay the Spire is and this isn't bums me out. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um I only have it installed on my PC right now, so the only time I'm really going to sit down with it is when I'm in my computer room, which isn't very often as compared to my TV, but uh, I think it's great. I like the mechanics a lot. It has, it's essentially Slay the Spire, but um, vertically. Uh, There's obviously more nuances to it, but it's a roguelike deck builder combat game. Uh, if you've played deck builders from the board game world, like Ascension or Marvel Legendary, you are, you know this game. If you've played roguelikes, it's going to be harder comparison, I think. But you know that uh, with the exception of Monster Train, they do have bosses and they're pretty much always the same. But you're, you're, the way you play... Your deck makes it, I think, roguelike, I guess, in that sense, where it's never it's never the same each time. Um, you can choose different paths because you're literally following a train track. And when you get a certain, like, uh, uh, split points, you choose between upgrading certain things versus others, and you can only choose one path. Uh, the art style is fine. Just like Slay, Slay the Spire, it's, you're not going to be talking about the art style for years to come. It's, you know... It is what it is. It's not bad. It's not great. Um, because you can tell the the funding went into mechanics, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I, it it constantly fights against my, <laughs> um, uh, what is that game that I hate? <laughs> Champions? Uh, Heroes? What is it called? Sentinels of the Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, yeah, that's how much I hate it. I don't even remember the name of it. <laughs> Can't remember the name of it. Uh, it constantly fights against my Sentinels of the Multiverse uh, issues, but uh, but you, if you can look past that, um, it's still an upgrade to Slay the Spire, in which Slay the Spire isn't bad. It's just, you know, lo-fi. This is mid-fi. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. I had fun with it. I, I, can, I plan to continue playing it. So awesome. I'll say thank you for that homework assignment. Excellent. And Unbroken? Unbroken. 
Okay, so Unbroken has taught me a few things. Oh, oh, okay. Unbroken has taught me, I think, pivotally, I do not want solo games. <laughs> solo I don't want games them. specifically? Yeah, uh, okay. board games. I don't want them. I don't like them. Uh, it is not enjoyable to me. I can't talk to anybody while I'm doing it. If I put something else on, it's a distraction. So I can't even enjoy myself while I'm trying to enjoy myself. Excellent. Uh, not only that, but Unbroken might come with the densest, most convoluted rules book I've read since Wasteland Express Delivery Service. I hated it. <laughs> uh, it is unclear about how to approach any aspect of the game. In fact, it even comes with, it came with a printed sheet that they printed post-printing of the game to be like, hey, don't do these things, do these things. We're essentially giving you our own set of errata before you even play the game. <laughs> uh, it's a table hog for a solo game, and I don't know that it's cohesive. I don't know that I ever felt comfortable or confident in doing anything I was doing. Um, so Unbroken will be uh, regifted to somebody. <laughs> uh Gotcha. Uh, I'm impressed you played it, though. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to try it, right? This was a thing. I, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't overshadowed by the development process right, as well. Yeah. So I tried to go in it open-minded, but, um, you, you know, you talked about the Sinking City not really giving you direction. I mean, this all this does is throw out so many things you have to do. To the point where you're like, well, when I start my turn, I'm going to have to continuously reference the rulebook. And that's not how games should be played. If you read the rulebook, you should be able to play the game. You shouldn't have to check every phase, every action. So I was a little frustrated by that. Uh, but I did get it to the table. And it has a good table presence, I guess, uh, for a solo game. Like They even give you in the rulebook like, how to set it up. And how to look at it, but like that's like the most they do for you. <laughs> gotcha. So well, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm glad I also played it because we both backed this game and it's been sitting under my Catan Travelers edition, which has gotten less play <laughs> than this game, which is zero. <laughs> so uh now I know I can move it to the donate pile. There you go. Awesome. Well, nice job. You get an A for your work oh, this, thank you. last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, you played the both both the things. I did some extra credit too. Well, yeah, I guess you did do some extra credit. So awesome. Uh, so you assigned me two things. Uh, one of them being uh, having to play the whatnot cabinet. I'm giving you a pass, uh, like we discussed. On your, what's that? I'm going to give you a pass on the second one because you asked. Yeah, you the asked. second one was that we had. To, yeah, <laughs> the second one was that we had to play Godfall together. Uh, but I asked since we played. Um, if you can't remember the game, you don't get a pass. <laughs> no, since we played Outriders together instead, uh, you told me that that was acceptable. Uh -huh. um, so I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. <laughs> oh, you're that. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so the Whatnot Cabinet, um, a game that we have both backed on Kickstarter, uh, designed by um, Dr. Steve Finn of um, Steve Finn Games, but published by Pencil First Games. Um, and Josh, this is a game that you actually played quite a while ago, correct? I played it before it was a game. I played the, I guess, alpha version of it. 
to put in video so, game terms. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so, like I said, um, b- designed by uh, Steve Finn. He's le- labeled as the lead designer, um, developed by Ed Baroff, um, and then, like I said, published by Pencil First Games. Best Sobel did the art, and Best Sobel does awesome art. Yes. Uh, but in this game, it's basically a set collection game uh, where you go out and you are picking up trinkets and items to put into your curio collection. Uh, and then based off of the colors of those items in the in the columns, you get points for either if everything in the column is the same color or if every item in the column is a different color. Uh, but if you have two and two, no goods. So you're looking for trying to get four of the same or four different colors um, for your columns. And then your rows go by item type. So you're trying to get a, a row of three of the same or a row of three completely different. And again, two and one, not going to do you any good. In addition to that, there are some, um, op- I shouldn't say optional, some changing objectives that are available. Like, hey, as soon as you place five of the same item on your uh, in your cabinet, like you can take this card's worth points at the end. And then there's also a um, modifier of like every, for example, in this game, every crystal you have, you get one point for. And then all the trinkets that you go, not all, some of the trinkets that you find also have little crowns on them that give you additional points at the end of the game. So basically what you're doing on your turn is you're taking and moving one of your pawns onto an action space. And those actions allow you usually to draw a trinket or two from a bag and then in some way exchange those with the ones that are already out and available. There's four that are listed as the outside. Like those are the ones that are always available. And then maybe, you know, depending on where you put your pawn, you might draw two from the bag, add them to the outside, and then take two total tiles from the outside. Um, and you're just kind of going back and forth. I think the interesting thing about this game is how you determine um, turn order. Yeah. <laughs> because when you pick your actions, um, once you're done with everyone's taking their actions, you just basically push all the pawns to the top. And then from left to right, that is first, second, like that is the turn order then for the next round. And at the very, very end of the game, if you are in one of the first three spots, you get points. Yep. Which I think is really interesting. So really quick game, especially with two players, because it only takes three rounds because you're each going twice per round. This is up to a four player game. Um, basically, in a two player game, you each take two pawns. So you're you're going to go twice per round. And, you know, the cabinets are pretty small. There's only it's a four by three grid. So there's only 12 spots total. Uh, so it only takes three rounds, 20 minutes to play. Uh, overall, I would say I like this game. I don't love this game. Yeah. Uh, there are some frustrations a little bit, especially in the two-player game, you take out a lot of tiles, which makes sense to a degree. Uh, but it definitely kind of, and this happens a little bit too in like Potion Explosion is a good example of this. You don't know what you don't know, right? Like, so when you're trying to make decisions about what uh, what you want, like what trinkets you want to take to put in your cabinet, you don't always know okay, well, how much of what is left in the bag? Like, how many different colors are there? How many of these other items? Like, eventually, maybe I would know, and maybe that's a uh, something I should have kept more in mind. But as since you're cycling through and you're able to replace those tiles that are outside, sometimes like the you're like, oh, I really wanted that thing, but then it's gone. Um, and, and so it can become very, very challenging. Um, I played this with my partner. I don't think she liked it very much because I beat her. I beat her pretty bad. Oh, no. uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. I won like thirty-four to eighteen or something Whoa. like that. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Uh, so yeah, so I like it. I think it's a really. I, it's a definitely a game I would play. It's a game that I probably would play between other heavier games. Uh, I would like it to play it with more than two people. I think playing it with three or four might be really interesting because I think it would have a much larger impact on taking items and how all of that works. Um, but yeah, overall. 
good not great game that are my those are my thoughts what are your thoughts josh um so when when i first played it it was actually called curio at the time and then unfortunately someone published a game called curio in between um i think it was aeg actually oh yeah because i got it at aeg uh big game night <laughs> uh, actually not too different mechanic wise um so maybe someone stole his game idea now i have to email him but hey <laughs> uh I, we played it four player and he taught four of us to play and that's the way to play it. That's a four player game. Um, I did not enjoy this at two players. Um, I love every aspect of the production of this game and I like the idea of the game, but going from playing it in its original form at four players to playing a two player, I don't think the rules are super clear on a lot of things. Um, in a game that should take 20 minutes for two players, I was referencing stuff way too often. And, and while I can't, I can admit that that could be a me problem. There's a lot of other me's out there playing this game. So, uh, that I think that they could have been a little bit clearer on the rules. Um, and in fact, like when, like it wasn't even clear, like when you're, if you have two people in row two, who like we decided the person who was placing tiles would go first the next round, but it's not clear on who gets put first in that spot. So if I have a, if I have a pawn and my wife has a pawn in the second space, we're both in the second space. So who gets first position for the next round? So maybe I'm wrong, but I, and maybe I didn't read that. I just assumed that like if I went into one of those spots, like no one else could go there. No, if you look on the, in the instructions, you can actually put your pawn on the bottom space instead of the top. That's why there's a hyphen, like a, a line between the tiles. Cause the first round we played, we were moving both of our pieces. And then I ended up having both of my guys in the fourth spot for the second round, which means, which meant my green board never got refilled, so I was actually six spaces less in the next round than the other player. So if you looked at the at the board, it was saying, like, you move to a spot of the available actions, unless we also read that wrong and we did the first round correctly. <laughs> but I guess my point would be the rules are not very defined, as as far as what I'm used to for rules for a game on a turn move your pawn from the landscape section yeah. and place it into any vacant action column any vacant action column on the bottom portion of the journey board so the action column is that entire thing so you can only put one per right but if you're playing four players sorry yep. two players yep but you have eight pawns you'd only have four pawns so you have four oh yeah you're right so four pawns so what do we do wrong Oh, but then we... I don't know. So we did something wrong. I think we did it right the first round, and then it didn't feel like we did it right. Anyways, our conclusion at the end was, like, we did this wrong, I guess. Because <laughs> it even says, a, pay, a pawn may not be placed in any column with another pawn. Right. Column, not row. Right. So when we ended it, we said, we, we did say we did something wrong. And because we didn't like, we didn't enjoy it. And I said to my wife, well, maybe it's because... We played with four players mm-hmm. and, and maybe, maybe not, but cause when it came, I think when we did the second round, I, I was green and orange and I was Wait. in the fourth row. And then because I was in the fourth row, I didn't draw any tiles for my whole green board. 
Yeah, because if you're playing with four players, each player only gets one pawn. But it says for two players, I use two pawns. Right. So if you are playing a two-player game, like one person would take like both the green right. and one person would take like both the purple. So then you'd only still have four pawns total. Yeah. And then, so then you'd have so five we messed up by doing we messed up by doing two of the same color. No, we did it right. We each had two different colors. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we decided we're going to play it again, but we're going to make sure we have it right. Um, but to my point, like I, if I can play Dinosaur Island with my wife and understand the rules, I should be able to get the whatnot cabinet. True. <laughs> and that True. could be more of a me issue, but. That it was my experience with the game. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So yeah, like I said, I, I think we'll play it once or twice more because we usually like to play a game like three times before we make a decision about whether we want to keep it or yeah. not. So, um, but yeah, I, like I said, it's fine. I think it's a, it's a. It looks great. It does look good. It's really nice production. I was shocked it's got by nice, the production of the punts. Yeah, they were great. It, it is pretty good overall. The inserts really great. Um, the little mini cheat sheets um, for each player are pretty solid. Yes. Like it's overall not a bad game, um, but. Uh, okay, Josh. So then, uh, you know, what we've decided is that every other week we're going to rotate. So, like, we'll do homework every two weeks, and then the weeks that we don't have homework updates, we're going to do our predictions. So, no predictions this week. Okay. But we do have to sign each other homework for two weeks from now. Um, I have my homework for you ready to go. Are you ready to hear it? Sure. Okay. Two things. Again, one board game related, one video game okay. related. And I think the board game one, I think, will work out for you. I, I'm always hesitant to give you board game work. <laughs> But I think this one will work out. Number one, you have to play Stardew Valley, the board game. That's my homework? That's, that's one of What if homeworks. it doesn't show up next week? Well, we have two weeks from today. Oh, two weeks. Okay. It'll, it'll yeah, be here two weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you run into issues, let me know and we can Well, let me tell you. It. And like if it doesn't show Today, my Matchbox collection. Uh-huh. So I get things. I get like a uh, text message from FedEx saying like, hey, you have a package coming from um, Quartermastic Logistics. But it never yeah. says who. I'm sorry, from Backerkit. So I I brought my son downstairs to see my folks. I get a text from FedEx, your package has delivered, as I see the FedEx truck speed down my street, not stopping. Right. So I'm like, what? And then my folks are like, well, maybe they parked the van and then walked it up. So I go outside. There's no box outside my house. So I message FedEx. They say, oh, give us a couple hours. Maybe it'll show up. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> But you checked it as delivered. So I walk outside. I look at my two neighbors. No packages on their porches. I look at my neighbor two houses down towards the main street. There's a giant box outside their house on their walk-up staircase. And uh, now I have to be the guy who goes back inside and gets a mask and walks down the street and walks up someone's front stairs and looks at it, and I took a package right off their porch because it had my name on it. <laughs> right. But I was like, uh, if I don't feel like a criminal right now, like if if I didn't notice that or got that text email, text email, right. text message, they could have just brought that inside, and I would have never have gotten my Kickstarter. But maybe they would have been nice and just brought it to you. No, not on the street. It does not work. <laughs> <laughs> I bring my my neighbor their mail all the time. We get their mail constantly. Yes, that's right. Um, so that's yeah, good so. of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's one. Stardew Valley, the board okay. game. Second one uh, is going to be another Game Pass requirement. Ooh. Hopefully, this one will be good as well. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, you have to play the game called Star Renegades. Oh, okay. I've heard good things. Okay. 
So those are your two pieces of homework for two weeks from now. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you... Oh, how do I do this? First piece of homework, board game related. In the next two weeks, you and I need to play a board game over Skype. Okay? And I can probably get my friend Joe to play with us as well. If if you want to. I'm not forcing you, but I think... This could be how we play board games together. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's your board game homework. Your video game homework is going to be... I try to think of the games that you don't play, but I don't want to make you play racing games. So that doesn't seem fair, right? Um, well, also keep in mind if you like oh, are assigning me things on Xbox, I don't have the next-gen Xbox. Well, yeah, so. unfortunately... <laughs> I'm I uh, I'm just removing Xbox from uh, you and its association. Uh, no, you can I, for now. I can play games on <laughs> Xbox One. That's you fine. need to play Hitman Three. I know you wanted to do Hitman February. It's yep. it's the last day of February today. It is the last day of February. So now now that you I know you haven't played any Hitman. <laughs> well, I have. I did play the intro, like so the one, training for Hitman Three. Oh, you played the training to all of the Hitman. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I I don't have to worry about feeling bad to make you skip one and two like I did, I would like you to start Hitman three and and go play as much as you want. I'm not gonna give okay. you a time. Uh I will do it. that. Excellent. I got it. I got it. All right, Josh. And we even do have some listener questions this yeah. week, so let's get to them. <laughs> Hold on to your butts for a long one, people. Well, you know what? I, I pulled the PSVG and I demanded questions because people weren't giving them. And then the second I demand a question, someone comes in and says, why didn't you ask me? I'm not important. Well, we've been asking you for questions for weeks, the Winter Gamer. Where you been? Let's start with Heavy Metal Riff. The Winter Gamer goes last. Uh, Lucas, at, he is Heavy Metal Riff via Discord. Lucas says, let me know if this has come up before. What board game are you always trying to bring to the table that no one ever wants to play? That's probably easier for me to answer than you, because every game I want to play, my wife doesn't want to play. (laughs) Uh, Horrified was the game, right? So I tried to get Horrified to the table for a solid six months, and she just did not want to play it. So I kind of had to give up on that. But if I had to pick a game now... That I'm trying to get to the table that she doesn't want to. It is the Unmatched series of games from, um, oof, wow, Restoration Games. (laughs) Um, The game that we played together, we played the Jurassic Park one together at PAX, which I fell in love with. Apparently she didn't. Um, But I keep buying all of them in hopes that one day I'm just going to be like, hey, let's play Unmatched. You can literally be. Buffy, Willow, Bruce Lee, Angel, the bad guy from Buffy, <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood, Bigfoot, Robin Hood, Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper, you pick. All of them and more are available to you. So hopefully I can get that to the table. So unmatched is my answer to Lucas's question. 
That is a, a really good answer. My answer to this question is a game that I've been trying to get to the table for so long. So long, in fact, now that they have come out with a second edition of the game. <laughs> oh, and no. I've not even played the first edition, and that is Eclipse. Mm. Yeah, I've had Eclipse, oh man, I for so long. I've owned this game forever. Wow. Uh, um, and it just is, you know... Though my partner enjoys heavy games, uh, interstellar civilization exploration <laughs> building is not high on her list of things she wants sure. to do when it comes to heavy games. <laughs> um, so really, it is purely a theme thing. Um, but I think, because Eclipse came out in like 2011, I think I've had it pretty much since then, or not long after. Yeah. Uh, and I've never, ever, ever gotten it to the table. So that's my answer. Okay. Eclipse. Uh, PSVG Kevin. Kevin Austin on our Discord answers the call with what tabletop game do you want to see adopted to video format and why i'm assuming he means television and not uh atmosphere the board game with the vhs tape um i think we're overdue for a pandemic tv series but that's not my answer because i think that's a pretty easy answer um, and I don't know if we talked about this before. I feel like we might have, or at least in my head, this has happened. An animated Netflix series of Everdell. That's a really good answer. That's really good, Josh. I don't see um, why. It's basically light watership down. <laughs> well, because aren't they making Redwall? Uh, I think it, they are making Redwall. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, not quite exactly no, the same, but totally different. No war at all in Everdell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not yeah. Uh, so I have a couple ways I could go for this. In some ways, there's some that are easy answers because they kind of almost exist. It's like Gloomhaven. Eh, we kind of have The Witcher. You know, it's not exactly the same, sure. but you can kind of feel the same vein, if you would. I do think one that might be super interesting might be if you because things like. Um, Oh, what was that show on Netflix that's really popular <laughs> recently uh, that has a lot of um, Go on. people ha- having relations? Bridgerton? I'm trying to keep... Yeah, Bridgerton. <laughs> uh, if you, because of just... If you did something like Brass Birmingham, yeah. but had it about like, you know, the moguls trying to like build their railroads and then you had the social aspect of it. <laughs> but I also think you could do something like Terraforming Mars. Yeah. It would be really cool in the thinking of like the martian and like just kind of the uh how that one presented like ah oh, there's some you know yeah. funny stuff here but there's also some, some serious stuff i think terraforming mars would work really really well in a show like that uh you could go old's old and like do if we want to do a western we could do like a great western trail yeah yeah i think that so the i think oregon there's a lot of trail. options actually <laughs> Or Oregon Trail, uh, but I think there's a lot of options uh, to do that. If you you know Spirit Island, I think also would be a very yes. interesting take um, uh, as a show. So there are. That's why I think it's kind of interesting that we made the big deal about they were going to do the Catan movie, and we're like that just seems so odd because there are so many games that you could I think make into really excellent shows, movies, something like that. Catan just is the one that is most abstracted out, uh, where I think. The, there's a lot of other really cool options of things you could do. So, yeah. Uh, I'm writing right now, uh, tweeting to Netflix. Do you and how do you not already have a division uh, for making board games into shows? <laughs> oh, a divi- okay. Uh, I thought you meant like the division, the video game into a show. I'm like, I think someone is doing that. Um, hire us. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tweet. Perfect. <laughs> All right. What's our next question? All right. Our next and last question comes from the fabled Winter Gamer uh, via Discord. We actually got tags, which Lucas and Kevin couldn't bother to do. And Josh at Psychocross, what physical board games work slash think will work over Zoom slash Skype? I'm going to go. Don't use Zoom. Why? Use Skype. It's better because <laughs> uh, at least the interruption process is better on Skype. Zoom is a mess. Uh, and you would think after a year of a pandemic, they would have gotten better, but they haven't. Um <laughs> So I can tell you firsthand, uh, Disney's Villainous, uh, Marvel's Villainous, and Horrified work very, very well over Skype. And I can tell you from the person I play with, um, Joe, he also plays, he has a game of Pandemic that he plays with people across the country regularly. Uh, You could also... uh, play uh things like um uh, D or even um weave where you can put your phone up to the camera so your dm can scan your uh, card can play over skype as well uh, in fact when i was at pax unplugged and talking to them uh, about weave they were saying how great it works over webcam uh, for people who can't get together uh, there are plenty of other games that I'm willing to do the research on for Skype. Um, but also remember, we have the option of board games on Steam. Uh, I know it's uh, more of an investment, but let's say you don't already own Lords of Waterdeep. An $8 purchase on Steam isn't going to kill you to get the game. So there's always... Uh, Steam games as well, which give you a little bit more quality over a phone game. Uh, shout out to the Winter Gamer who's been playing um, our only listener, our first listener, to be playing digital app-driven board games with us, Sagrada and Potion Explosion, to name the two. Uh, so thank you for the question. And Kyle, you got any suggestions for this one? I... I hmm. I haven't done this at all yet, so I don't know if it would work. But a game I think might work for this, because I th- mm, I believe all of the files you would need for this are available on board Game Geek. Though one person would still need to own the game, but Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, because because realistically, it's read a little thing and then you talk about and consult with each other about like what to do and where to go next, and then it's, you know you decide where to go and then you read a little thing and then you just really are talking to one another about all that stuff. Um, and there's a ton, like I said, there's a whole bunch of files on Board Game Geek that you can download that like kind of bring all the stuff together. One person would still definitely have to have the game, but I do think um, that those games would work well um, in that match. We should do that. So, that would be fun. I do have it, so. That would be that sounds thing we could fun. do. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks everyone for the questions. We do really appreciate it. But with that, we are going to move on to our recommendations with for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we do want to leave you with one of the recommendations that we're currently into as helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? <laughs> My recommendation is a question. Tom and Jerry okay. on HBO Max. <laughs> I watched it today. Um, I didn't hate it. <laughs> it's it's a better okay i don't that's i don't want to it's an undersell tom and jerry it's on hbmx it premiered on friday 
Uh, so a couple of days ago for you listeners, uh, it stars Michael Pena from 100 Movies, Observer and Report, Ant-Man, etc. Um, and I'm referencing his comedic roles because he's also playing a comedic role in this film. Um, it also has uh, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. It has Colin Jost. And I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, but he played the human normal dude in Deadpool 2. And I know his I know his name and I'm, I'm blanking on it. He's a very funny and good actor. Uh, they went for like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit version of this. So all the animated characters, if you're old like me, play like the cel-shaded um, cartoon characters. But in this world, all the animals are animated animals. Um, and it's just not abnormal to people. What also isn't abnormal to people is that they can read and write, but they can't talk. And what's <laughs> weird is that sometimes, like, Tom, the Tomcat, literally got called out because he put his E's backwards. They're like, you put your E's backwards. Okay, it's a cat that wrote. <laughs> like, come on. But um, it, it reminded me of, like, Animaniacs-y style meets Tom and Jerry. I did watch it with my three-year-old. So the violence was a little too familiar with the old Tom and Jerry, but he wasn't really picking up on it, I don't think. Unless I wake up tomorrow and he bashes me over that with a shovel, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, actually, I really enjoyed it. It's probably my favorite HBO Max premiere so far from their slate of premieres. Um, but it's definitely, you got to go in like Sonic, like lighthearted, looking to have a good time. Don't try to be a gamer being a gamer. <laughs> okay. Just go in and have fun. Um, I enjoyed it. And if you have HBO Max, like you're already paying for it. So watch it because it's included in your subscription. <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah, Tom and Jerry awesome. on HBO Max. Very cool. Uh, my recommendation is Shocker, a documentary. <laughs> uh, and that documentary is Made You Look, a true story about fake art um, that is now on Netflix. The little byline, if you would, says, Made You Look is an American crime documentary about the largest art fraud in American history set in super rich, super obsessed, and super fast art world of New York. Uh, but basically, it tells the story of what was the largest art fraud, as far as we know, at least. Um, in American history, in that a gallery sold over eighty million dollars worth of fraudulent paintings, um, and then the question becomes: Did the gallery know um, that they were fraudulent or not? And the kind of it, it's one of those things that really lets you into the inside world of art and why art is so interesting and what happens when people with a whole lot of money get really upset about something. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting look at a world that I know I'm never going to be a part of because I'm never going to be spending millions of dollars on a painting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's pretty short. It's pretty piffy. Um, the, they have some of the, not all, but some of the super big key players, they're only only missing one. Um, there's one key player involved in this whole situation that they don't have on camera um, that they talk to. But pretty much everyone else who's involved um, is on camera and chatted with at some point during the documentary. Um, so if that interests you at all, um, if you're interested in uh, basically what took down the largest art gallery or the longest existing art gallery in the United States, 
Um, feel free to check that out. That has made you look on Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Uh, the new traffic is noted, and thank you. I just wanted to make that point. Uh, thanks for jo- checking out our page. Uh, I'm going to try to update it more often. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardofthefiji at gmail.com. We tag ourselves with hashtag boardofthefiji, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me on The Places at Why So Serious, S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me and all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.